Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord our God, I thank you, and I praise you for the gift of Easter. And Lord, I ask that the gift of Easter would be alive in us, that we would um, we would truly manifest what it means that, Jesus, you are risen from the dead in how we live. And uh, thank you, God, for the gift of family. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. From the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That was a short prayer. I was going to say that we're an Easter people, and then I just kind of got shivers. Yes. Like, I am not going to say that phrase, Easter people. But it has been a big theme of mine since you've been gone, Carrie. Since you've been gone. Isn't there a song, <laughs> since you've been singing. gone? Yes. I don't know how it goes, but it sounds like that's a phrase in a song. However, the theme of what does it mean now that we're in Easter just like in Lent, it's easy, giving stuff up, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. But what does it mean that we're in Easter? How is that different? How is, like, what are the disciplines that we're living now because it's Easter and we're drawing upon the graces that were broken open for us and planted in us because of the journey we took in Lent? That's what I've been talking about. So, but I've been missing you, Carrie. Welcome back. I missed you too. Yeah. So for the folks that weren't here, where did you go? What were you doing? I got to go to a conference in Virginia. Then I got to go see my daughter in Ohio yes. at Franciscan University. And boy, that you made Yay. that sound like so flat. So Well, I don't want to, you know, make people feel sad that they didn't get to go. Well, I, I want to say that, you know, we, it's not like we do all kinds of like high flying traveling or anything. No, I don't know so when I was one. last on a plane, honestly. <laughs> So Wait, that's I, I'm I, thrilled I, that you got that gift, the gift of being able to go. Your, the generosity of your sister and being with two of your older sisters to be able to go to that conference. Uh, it was a women's conference, right? Yeah, it was 700 women from mostly the East Coast, a lot of people from Texas and Florida, Pennsylvania. And it was Walking With Purpose, Lisa Brennickmeyer. Isn't it Breckenmeyer? Breckenmeyer. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> you can look Lisa, her up. Lisa B. Lisa. And Father John Ricardo. He was uh, solid. And Sister Marion Hyland. She was great. Sister Miriam James, James. Hyland. Can James. we just do Sister M. MJ. MJ. She was awesome. Super highlight. And uh, Father Dave. He was okay. Father Dave Provanka. Yeah. the president of Franciscan University, and a former, not a classmate of yours, but a, a co-alum uh, yes. studying there when you were there. And so uh, I was struck by something. <laughs> How were you struck? You weren't even there, dude. Bro. That's what your boys would say. Hey, bro. Yo, bro. Yeah, what is yeah, bro. with that? Bro, 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 bro. I don't know. That, it's a, these phrases come and go. <laughs> but so when, funny. But when my son <laughs> calls me bro. Yeah, bro. I look at him and I, I say to him, what did you just say to me? Oh, dad, dad. It's just a phrase. It's just a phrase, bro. Don't, uh, I'm bruh. not being disrespectful. Bruh. I'm, I'm not being disrespectful. So funny. Yeah. Well, you, uh, the thing that I said, the thing that you said to me that I found so striking was the way in which the speakers sometimes would just fall into their, like their sort of their big talks, right? Well, their their standard presentations. Yeah, I haven't been to a conference. Well, there was a gal that came out here from um, one of the podcasts a couple years ago. I think she gave some of her base content. And then there was another speaker that came out and she was okay. I feel like, okay, this is what I think. And you can fix it, correct it, re- restate it. We have a word to speak to the world, and we say it in a certain way, and we kind of stay within that area or that bubble, and it grows and it deepens as we grow in holiness, and God can enlighten it and empower it. Some people are just naturally gifted, though, to tell great stories, be humorous, be spontaneous, articulate, don't have those gifts, uh, but there's just a basic message that everyone has that's uniquely theirs, and then after you say that message, then what? Then you like try to help other people enhance their messages, or you talk about other people's messages. But I don't feel like someone can go. I mean, I know there are some amazing people that can go on and on about their their message to the world, but most people, it's just pretty 
much the same because you hear them telling the same story and saying the same phrases, using the similar scriptures. Or even um, just giving literally the same talk. Well, typically if you've written a book or a couple articles, you talk on those veins and that's what you speak in. Unless you're really a great researcher and you look into all sorts of people's messages and then you put them together and an eclectic approach, and then you share like a combination of many people's stuff, but it's kind of grabbed from everybody. Yeah, I would say the last eight years, there has been a, 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 what's called a sea change, a radical shift, and especially in the last few years since COVID, where more and more people are finally ingesting, they're, they're taking in and being fed online. I can remember talking about this 20 years ago, you know, 25 years ago, the idea that people could be formed online, but it's just has taken so long. And I think it took something like COVID and things being shut down and then the rise of podcasts and all these other developments. And the rise apps. of Zoom and mass online and uh, hearing yeah, homilies. COVID, right. So all that stuff, it's shifted people's behaviors where now they can access all of this content online. <laughs> I was at the conference and they had a breakout session with four different speakers. And I went around to the ladies and said, okay, who's good? Which one's good? Which one have you seen? Which one have you heard? And, you know, because I didn't want to, you know, I had, you could go to two talks. I wanted to hit the two that were better than the other two. But basically, every one of them, you could hear their main talk online. So you could go YouTube, or there maybe two or three talks that they had. Some of them wrote a book. But for the most part, they had one or two or three talks that you can see on YouTube. And I don't know. I was like, I don't have to see every talk. And and the same with the speakers. Um, Father John Ricardo, great presenter, holy man, full of fire. He is, like you can see how he would get fired up on a basketball court because he is so passionate. passionate and also wants to move the crowd. He wants to move people into action. But his talk was based on his book, which his book he wrote called like Rescue the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel. And I've heard his three-part talk, which is really fantastic. Every kid, every teenager, every adult should listen to it. It's an amazing, clear way of talking about what the gospel is about. Um, but that's the talk he gave. So it's like, okay, wait, I've already heard this talk. I so got the book. So you flew across the country, spent <laughs> all this hear. money, food, <laughs> yes. hotel, to hear him give a talk that he says in a more full form online yes. for free. And then Lisa gave the talk of the four love languages by Father um, by Spitzer. By Gary Chapman? Oh, no. Father Spitzer. Oh, the, the four, four not, levels of sorry, happiness. Four levels of happiness. Thank you, Tom. And I was like, okay, I've heard all this before. And then she gave another talk that was in one of her talks that she gave. So it was kind of regurgitated content. Again, I didn't want to go all the way across the country. What I want to hear is prophetic, insightful, new, fresh, move of God stories that are awesome and blow you away. Um, Sister Miriam, she gave an amazing, powerful talk. And it wasn't so much her content, although it was actually fantastic content. It was her holiness and her passion and her, like, talk about moving the dial. She moved people. And then she did this very powerful prayer, um, like kind of a the movement. time of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And she walked you through this time with Jesus and kind of this inner healing thing that she does with Encounter or with Dr. Bob Schutz. Mm -hmm. And it was beautifully done. And she really is about, she really is all about healing and incredibly calm and strong and like a big oak tree or a big pine. I don't know. She just a mighty oak. Mighty. She just was strong in how she comes across. Um, but she got pretty fired up a couple of times. The best part though, was none of them talking except in the part where they were all on a panel and it was kind of a discussion time. So then you got their more spontaneous, organic, heartfelt, raw. It was what was happening in between them. It was, Father John bouncing off of Sister Miriam, bouncing off of Father Dave and Lisa, but really Father John and Sister Miriam, <laughs> and kind of them going back and forth. So it was alive, and you know how Father Tom Vanberg talked about what's what happens in the in-between, a husband and wife? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, when you shared that, it, it jumped, something came, it was like an insight for me, 
And it was, when I think about conferences, if you need to get beyond the concept of, oh, you're going to go hear someone give a talk, it's you want to have a sense of their holiness, right? Because that means God shows up. When a holy person shows up, God shows up. Well, this is what I think. When I go to the gym, I want to be trained by someone who's really fit because then I can look to them. When I go to um, shopping I want to, or get makeup done, I want someone who their makeup looks amazing so I know they're excellent at what they're doing. If I go to, uh, I mean, I don't want to go to the gym and be trained by someone who's like really out of shape, so to speak. So when I go to hear a speaker and I want to move in holiness and grow in faith, I want someone who is a all-star, who is really holy, who is not just talking the talk, but living the talk and walking the walk, whatever. And so you can take the temperature of someone's spirituality pretty easily, I think. You can't, I don't think people can really fake it um, too easily. Anyhow... So when I hear someone speak, it's like I'm already saying, okay, how much do I want to follow what they're saying and, and believe in what they're saying? I shouldn't be so, I guess, critical, but that's just how God made me. Sorry. <laughs> I, but here's what I would say, that when a holy person shows up, the holy one shows up in and through that person. And I think that prayer is one of those times where that person is becoming more of a vessel, a conduit of manifestation. So when you have Sister Miriam ministering in prayer, it's the Lord Jesus who's ministering in a living way through the prayer of that person. God is, is if you will, taking center stage. Now, you talk to any of those speakers, and of course they'll say, Jesus is the center of my life, and I want Jesus to show up. But it's difficult when they're delivering the same content over and over. And if you've heard that content, to have it be fresh and new and living, other than the fact that you have someone's a personal presence there. Right, and that that can be a difference than watching or listening, whether it's online or on the radio or whatever. But when you mention the the gift that a panel discussion provides, it's that there's room for surprises, there's room for something fresh and new, there's room for this sense of I don't know what's going to happen. This is not a talk I've heard before, and there might be something that really jumps out between them because of the conversation that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, I think that's what a great interviewer does. I think that's what like Matt Pratt will do on his podcast, but they go on for two to three hours. So sometimes it's a little long, but he's able to get beyond their shtick, so to speak, get beyond their pat answers and go into, so tell me about your wife or tell me about, you know, when you're faced with your kids and the situation comes up or he really tries to ask um, nervy questions to get them out of their... And I think his guests know that. So same with a panel. It gets them off of their uh, comfortable area of speaking. And you really get to know... Well, you really can't get to know them in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. But with with uh, Matt Frad, you actually get to know the person. I think he's trying to get people to know relationally. But it's only one-dimensional. You're so listening to did, them. <laughs> when I did a lot of talks, you know, when I was out giving presentations regularly, one of my favorite parts of talks were the question and answers. You're really good at that, actually, Tom. Just saying, you're pretty, and you're funny. That's one thing that you can't undermine is speakers who are entertaining, and that's probably all youth conference speakers. There has to be a level of entertainment and humor, great storytelling. Christopher West was really good bringing out his guitar, telling stories. He brought a lot of emotion and intensity. He was a great preacher. Yeah, to his his speaking, his content. Um, so that, I mean, some people are just very entertaining as people, as presenters, they just take up a lot of space on the stage. Well, I liked your idea. You had, you came back with this idea that said, what if we were able to get a couple of these big name speakers and basically said, we don't want you to come and deliver your standard talks. We'd like you to come and be like more vulnerable to engage in like living conversations, like really sharp, engaging dialogues that are more responsive to the needs of the folks that are there. Well, I think what I realized when I went to the women's conference here in Spokane is the women just wanted to get together and visit and be together and have that conversation somewhat guided. I really didn't, not that the speaker wasn't good, she was, she was, she was fine, but I really just wanted to visit with all these women and be together in fellowship and not just stay there, though. I, want, I needed someone to guide us into something deeper, a better conversation. You could have these speakers all come out, or you could just interview them on the radio or do a podcast or whatever. You can still do that without them flying here. But why do we all need to come together, 700 women, 
fly out to this hotel or this resort, stay in a nice whatever. So part of that was just the fellowship, being together with nice meals, being a little bit pampered. I mean, the the conference was above and beyond a typical women's conference, the way it was decorated, uh, the way you were treated, the little goodies they had. They really did try to offer beautiful care for moms and these women. Um, but again, it's like, okay, so where are we headed with this? I really think that they were hoping for an outpouring or a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's where a lot of the uh, content kind of went, but some of it was a little forced. And it's like, okay, God's move of his spirit when he shows up is such a gift and a grace, and you just can't command it or force it or, okay, guys, we're just going to really, it, I don't know. And so there was some just different moments that were powerful. But for me, um, besides hearing Sister Miriam and then the panels, I really just enjoyed being with my sisters and uh, some people we met there and just the conversations of different people from different parts of the country and hearing how COVID was and how their story is and what's happening in their Catholic circle of faith community in their areas. And just hearing, I mean, I would have actually loved to have interviewed Lisa and said, tell us about this Walking with Purpose Bible study around the country. Tell us where it's vibrant. Where are the pockets of real faith? What is? What are you sensing God doing in different areas? And because she has a better, like a bigger national view, or even Father John, if you have him on, it's like, what do you? where do you see God's hand moving? Where do you see uh, people congregating or coming together, because I really do feel like Idaho Coeur d'Alene, this corridor is, um, or Spokane Coeur d'Alene corridor is a pocket or an area where God is doing something different than what's happening at Franciscan, different than what's happening in parts of Houston or Florida, wherever. So I think that's more exciting to me, but maybe I shouldn't be so curious about, God, what are you doing everywhere? Um, but just getting together with my siblings um, and being together at a beautiful place where it was actually warm. <laughs> not snowing. <laughs> uh, it was, that was wonderful. And I don't know, I'm glad I went. I don't think I'd go again, to, honestly. If I was invited to go again, I'd be like, oh, I think not. Is that weird? I don't know. No, not at all. I think that if it's, uh, if again, most conferences are are stretched, uh, are scheduled in that way where the major speakers are giving their standard talks more or less. And then you can just feel, even those breakout sessions, so it just feels like, the other goods that are there can be accomplished in other ways. I think I would go to SEEK. That's the Young Adult Conference. Carrie, we're actually uh, up against a break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor, licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So I say some of the great things that happen at conferences, this is not the secret stuff, is you bring together a whole bunch of people who are intentionally seeking to grow in faith. God is there. God is there when you have hungry people turning to him with sincere faith and crying out, please, Lord, come and meet us, bless us, move among us, and that is so encouraging, especially for people who are living in situations where they are not around a lot of other um, strong fellowship, right? In fact, that was another one of the, I think, lingering things that came away from that conference was um, not only the power of engaging dialogue happening between speakers, <clears throat> but also the idea of um, importance of fellowship, strong fellowship as really so uh, so important if we're going to survive today. Yes, Tom, and I, th I think... Um, or accomplish our mission, not just survive. Accomplish our God-given mission. It has to happen in community. <laughs> not just survive. We're here to survive, you guys. Well, and you know, I, I say that phrase, <laughs> it takes a heroic effort to raise an ordinary Christian. You know, it, and I mean that, like the amount that we have to pour into our kids just so that they'll have a sustained faith is, is extraordinary. It's a heroic effort. 
I don't know what the other conferences that they put on have been about because she's been doing this for many years. But it seemed like one of the, it, the theme was about flourishing, but it felt like they continue to focus on healing. And there are people in pain and there are people that are yeah, that suffering. Yeah, something else you brought up. And I was just like, I just kind of need to move beyond that. Like when you were a child, there's this father wound and let's just pray about, I don't know. I'm like, I need to be smacked upside the head. Tell me to get off my phone. Tell me to stop being slothful. Inspire me to not, I mean, not tell, tell them what to do. I'm telling the Holy Spirit, <laughs> let a fire under my butt, get me going. And I, I want conviction to come from the speakers in, in like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're heading. Let's go this way. Follow me. This, this kind of, um, I don't know, get in the game. And if we're continually going around and around and around of healing and suffering and people need, it's like, that's not, not needing to be happening, but there's a certain point where I just want to get more into the mission of what we're called to do. Does that sound, I don't know. I, that was another thing that you shared that I also, I mean, you listen to a lot of podcasts and when you identify the theme of healing of wounds of the past and uh, the language that is all around that type of um, that that reality, you know, intimacy and gentleness and and uh, risking and being vulnerable Tenderness and, and ten- vulnerable, all God. of that. It right? just kind of gets me going in the wrong direction. I think for this is it. You're coming to an event. $400 just to get into this event. So super expensive. You're staying at a hotel, another expense. You're making you the effort there. to get there. Okay, if you don't know who God is and you have not encountered healing, I got it. But let's just move on to like, let's. I feel like we're still at first base, base one, first base. We're just trying to get the encounter. I was like, can we move to second base, third base? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, you mentioned Father, uh, Father Ricardo. Well, tomorrow morning, I'm interviewing him. Yay. Oh, are you? I was supposed to interview oh, him on Monday. That's because after I was supposed tournament. to be with you, helping you interview him. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's okay. oh, you want to be there? <laughs> well, so here Lisa sets him up. She says, here's this like most prophetic. And he, he does have a, a sense of what God's doing in the church, but a most prophetic word or a most prophetic priest in, in the country today. But never once did he actually talk about any of that kind of what is God doing. It was all about his book. And he just walked through the, 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 the talk, and he only spoke once. And Sister Miriam only spoke once. It's like, But they sat, I was standing in the back with both of them during a couple of her talks. I was like, if they're here and they're like phenomenal people and holy people and God, why don't you have them speak twice or Two, three, three times? Two, three times, yeah. Just like, why, why are you wasting this great opportunity? Okay, do you see that I'm in here trying to fix their conference? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Hey, I'm going to just say this real quick, Tom. When I went to Georgia for the launch for Ariana going on mission, that was a conference. When I went to Steubenville for Mary Catherine's orientation as a freshman, that was a type of mini conference. So I do feel like when you go to an event and it's you're getting poured into because they're trying to share with you what's happening to your child or what's happening to your marriage or what's happening because you're in some kind of uh, crisis. I don't even know. Those are different and those are awesome because it's all new and exciting. And so I have been to a couple of conferences. I just remembered them, but they weren't just there for me to be directly fed or directly ministered to. It was about my children. That makes sense. Nice. Well, speaking of that, uh, two things then. Number one, I'm going to interview Father Ricardo Saturday morning. God bless us. Now, it's not going to be airing until Tuesday. So tune in. I know I already said that last week. What happened? He had to cancel because of something happening in his life, and so uh-huh. we not cancel, postpone, right? So he postponed it, and that was this was the next time that we could do it was Saturday, so oh. it'll air on Tuesday in anticipation of his coming to Holy Family in Kirkland, and there'll be no other speaker, so you get Father John all day. Okay, so how cool That's is that? <laughs> I, I, you know, God bless him. That that event's going to sell out fast, folks. So if you can get in early. You, Call up Holy Family in Kirkland and say, how do I get a ticket for Father John Ricardo's visit? And if you want to hear him, he has his podcast, Acts... 20- Acts 29. I think that's what the podcast is called. I, I, I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah. Well, you, well, you can it. listen to him on Sacred Heart Radio at 3 in the afternoon. Christ well, is that, the answer. But that, that slot is his talks from 10 years ago. 
Did you know that? 15 I years ago. I think it was, um, it was his series of when he was our, our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, no, Our Lady of Good Counsel. Yeah. And he, uh, multiple he walked series. you through multiple series of walking you through the faith. Different themes, yes. Yeah. But they're reruns, so to speak. Yeah. They're, they're, it's still are, good. It's like evergreen content, but it's old. Right. It was, he kind of took the spot of Father Carapi. So uh, Father Carapi would, did, did that series on the catechism, and it was like, I don't know, 40 talks. And you just kept running them. So, okay. And then the uh, then you went to Franciscan University to see uh, Mary Catherine. Yes. And back to the conferences real quick, because I mentioned this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seek. Uh, I think uh, Father Lewis talked a little bit about going to Seek, and that's for young adults. It's 20,000 people. So just that in and of itself is pretty exciting and wow. But they also have, um, I don't know how many... Uh, I, I would say, I'm just guessing, 40 to 80 different booths where you have different people selling their merch or people sharing their um, apostolate or mm-hmm. their... Mon- yeah, their ministries. Their ministries. And so you get to walk around and just really get a sense of how diverse and beautiful the church is. That would be really cool, too. Hello was that? <laughs> Hello's everywhere. Hello was at uh, Walking With Purpose. They had oh. a little booth there. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and that. the and the music was really awesome. They they flew in a, a singer and her little group, and they did a nice job. So it was a great conference. I'm so glad I went, but I'm good. Don't need you to do it again. <laughs> so. Okay, and one of the reasons, or one of the benefits of being out there was that you are a not just a short ride, but you are you know a decent ride to Franciscan University. Yeah, and uh, to be able to visit with Mary Catherine. And there were a couple of things that happened there that I also found very encouraging because it's a big sacrifice to help your daughter go to college these days. Um, you know, she can take out a loan and there's still a lot of money left after scholarships to pay um, to close the gap. And so we want to make sure that we're sending her to a school that is going to help develop her faith and also prepare her for yes. whatever's next in her life. It's a real gift for her to be able to go there. Um, it is a sacrifice, for sure. She had a real bumpy start, and so she's been asking me over and over to come visit her, uh, even though I went with her for orientation. Um, and it was actually a, a wonderful visit. I appreciated and, and liked that part of my trip better than the conference part, which is I thought was surprising. Since the conference part was just about you know my time with my sisters and a hotel and food and all this nice space and talks and singing, but just being with Mary Catherine and all the young adults on campus and seeing her life and meeting all her friends. And it was just so encouraging and so sweet. And there's something about it that I was just trying to pick apart. Like how do you replicate parts of that in the real world back home in the home life or in your church community because of just how powerful and special the grace is on that campus. Um, the difference when I was there is it's twice the size, not just in students, but in actual dorms and housing. It's huge. It, there's two full new dorms. And then they bought, I, I want to say about 12, um, it used to be called the projects. <laughs> they went in and bought it and cleaned it all out. And so the juniors and seniors live up in these like 12 different dormitories that are pretty good size. And then down below, they bought a couple of hotels and uh, motels, refurbished them. So you have two more dorms down at the bottom of the hill where everyone who lives down there has to walk up the steep hill. They'll have really hot legs by the time spring comes around because it is a steep hill and you're working those muscles. Um, That's why I was saying Mary Catherine. Well, at least they'll all look really great by the time the warm air comes and it's sunny. Um, And then what other housing do they have? Well, off campus is just, you know, people can find their own housing. It, but not only that, the households are way more formed and better run. And then, so what's a household? A household. I think we've talked about this before. It's it's just think of a Greek sorority or fraternity, a Greek system, but it's all Catholic based, and they their mission and their purpose is all around a saint or a charism, and you have to an intent to join it, and you have to go and visit and then discern, and then they have to discern if you're accepted and if God's calling you to be there, and then they invite you in the special process. And then like they had like soldiers for Mary. And so all these kids are walking around in their, um, what's it called? Their, uh, 
camouflage military garb for like two weeks. So there's, it's not called hazing because you can't haze, but they do silly, fun things like that um, where they humiliate them and make them feel silly, but in a loving brotherly way or sisterly way. But Mary Catherine, like right now, is joined, uh, she's told us to us, Maria. Mar- Maria. Well, they yep. call it... Um, TTM. But they also call it, she calls it Stella Maria. Stella Maris is a different one. Oh, that's the other one. That's that Star of the Sea. So she um, has a, you have a big sister and then they help you. So she's doing a consecration. She meets with her big every day and they pray together. And we got to go to her household meeting on Monday night. It was their 30 year anniversary. That weekend we missed all the fun because <laughs> a bunch of people flew in from all over the country. Like Really? 40, they were yeah, part of that household? 40 different um, women and their families, their kids came. It was a big deal. Wow. So these women who started it back in 92 or 93 were there and then other women throughout the years and different coordinators. It's, it's really much more involved than you think and then you realize. Well, and, and households, so- they came from covenant communities and, and basically a household was something for young adults, they were old enough to be out of their home, but they were still single. And so it was a way for them to live intentionally a life in community together. So they'd be in apartments and they would make common commitments to pray together, to share meals together, to do chores together, to serve in the wider community together, and to discern how to grow in their own life of faith. So that concept of a household, a short-term commitment to live the life of faith together with other brothers was something that Father Michael Scanlon brought to Franciscan University because of his background with Catholic Charismatic Renewal. How do you know all this? And you said that so cleanly and clearly. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Well, I, lived in a, I lived in a men's household no, but you for just two said, years. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Alexa. <laughs> so <laughs> but, but So that's why it's commi- different than a, a Greek system. Well, they have commitments. I wanted folks to think that, oh, they make these commitments to Was- um, share their life together. So they... Um, they get together, they have like four commitments a week, even though, even though yes. they're in college, right? They don't live in the same dorm necessarily. Well, but, they do try to live in the same hallway. Okay. So that's something that, dorm. yeah. So that next year she'll be living with, and so they'll have that sense of shared life. So they're kind of walking together as sisters, right? So it's, it's not, you're just friends. No, it's your sisters. Well, and so the difference is you feel a sense of call to it. But you can also become friends with them. Well, I think a Greek system is, and I don't know much about sororities, but you go check them out and you see which one you most incline towards and the women and girls that you most uh, have the similar personalities with. And then you, you know, ask, you have to be invited. I mean, they're similar in that way, but yeah, it's not but, like big parties. And Okay, but here's the thing. The it's crazy. a difference between friends and sisters and brothers, right? You choose your friends. Your sisters and brothers are chosen for you. And so the process that Mary Catherine went through was a process of discernment, not preference. So in discernment, it's, Lord, are you asking me to go be part of this group? Lord, are you asking me to be part of this group? And so that concept of discernment was she ended up in a group of girls that if you just threw her in a a big like a big auditorium full of girls and they all kind of hung around and said, who's going to naturally end up choosing to be together? It's not those girls. Yeah, I don't think they were her. Um, she loves them, but she really did get a, drawn towards them, and it was a spiritual kind of cool thing. She, she can share about it when she gets back. Yeah. In I, three I'm, weeks. I'm going to love to have her do that. Okay, we're up against a break. When we come back, more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So, Carrie, we're talking about... The idea of a household, and what does that do? It allows young ladies and young men, right, in the men's households, who are together at college, to be able to say, I can be here in a way that's more intentional as it relates to growing in my faith. And when they discern and take action, and they're received into a group like that, that for me is, it's like, it's worth it. It's, it's, I think, oh, we're sending her to college because she's going to be equipped to move into her career. And if she's called to be married, she's going to... Well, yes, that part. Then she'll meet the husband. (laughs) There's a lot of great guys. (laughs) And, and, but no, but it's about, it's not just even, not even just about, oh, it'll be a safer place to be because 
it's orthodox. And so it's a, an acceptable Newman College, right? Oh, yeah, that too. But for me, it's, is she going to fall more deeply in love with Jesus, discover more profoundly her identity, and want to live according to his purpose and mission for her life? In some ways, her movement towards the household and her acceptance in that household is for me a fulfillment two years later. She's at the end of her second year of what I want in terms of what I hear from her. Like she's doing better than she ever has in her classes. Praise be to God. And she is on track regarding her eating and some of the physical kinds of things. Praise be to God. But when I hear her talk about, I'm going through the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I am getting together with my household sisters and we're praying a rosary and going to mass together. And I've got this big sister in Christ who is for her a great deep inspiration to live for the Lord. I'm like, how do I write a check that's fat enough to to let that continue to happen? And it feels like that's what we wanted and experienced in Mary Grace and Ariana going on the world, uh, world race was pull them out of situations so that they could focus first and entirely on that idea of walking together in a community of young adults very intentionally to grow in faith and to live their God-given mission. So for me, that is something that I want for every young adult. And it's something that Mary Grace, she's coming back here this summer, and what has she been saying? Dad, we're the young mom. I think she's talking about even more with you. Like we're the young adults, and 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 you you had some conversations around that, like yeah, with some moms recently. She really was hoping to meet some great Catholics here in the Spokane Coeur area, and just kind of get a sense of if I'm going to live there, then what am I signing up for? Like, can I actually grow in my faith and have fellowship? Where she is now, there's not a lot of Catholics, and so she knows she really can't live there when she graduates. And so she's just praying through, like, where would that be? The thing about Franciscan that was so cool that I would love to figure out a way to replicate or to grow into is, is households. Now that kids come back and they, or they're in college right now and they're back for the summer, how do you establish an, a, a geographical location where you have a couple of houses that are owned and then there's, you know, five to eight women who can live there and a couple of guy and girl houses and, Together, they make commitments to grow in faith. And even this, so Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m., the, pa- the chapel's packed, or it's really full. In all the households, that's when they can actually get to Mass without you know other things interrupting their schedule. So they all just commit to go to 6.30 a.m. Mass once a week, or some of them go more than once a week. And I'm like, okay, can we not do that with like 10 to 20 Catholic families and just say, hey, everyone, let's... Make it a priority. Hey, whoa, whoa. I know. Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Don't <laughs> Can we get... just all meet at Mass at 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. or 5.30, you know, Friday night or Wednesday night? It's, it's like, why why, can, why are we so special needs when it comes to trying to organize church, community, unity, going after God in such a powerful, um, almost fanatical way? The way that the kids are really fanatical on campus and they're... Their faith they're generous. Walk. They're generous, but they also are, I don't know what fanatical even means, except courageous. that they are courageous and they do have the energy and the excitement and the youth. But I would love the Lord's uh, guidance and this Holy Spirit guidance in someone just to come and say, hey, this is how you do it. Follow me. Let's go build this, you know, kind of space. So that. Our, it, all for the purpose of growing in holiness, all for the purpose of going, growing closer to Christ, all for the purpose of bringing his kingdom here to the earth. And so when we evangelize somebody, we can say, hey, come check out our community. Come check out all these people that love the Lord and are super fired up it, versus going to Sunday Mass and no one says hi to you. And you just kind of go sit in your pew and to really get to know people, it's such an effort. So how do you build that sense of you walk through the doors and you're in this worship evening and people are just on fire and welcoming and going after God. And there's something that God is doing. I, I don't know. I, if you want my sad, di- <laughs> I don't want anything sad. sad I only want happy. I don't know if it's a, happy con- I don't know if it's a diagnosis, but my, 
let's see, I think it would be my, yeah, my evaluation is that that doesn't happen because it doesn't have to happen. In other words, people are not that desperate. They don't sense the urgency that says, I must be there. And it's like if someone was really seriously sick and they needed 24-7 care and it was your turn to show up at 6 in the morning to take a five-hour shift, you're not going to sleep in. You're going to be there or you'll have the night shift. You'll be there because there is someone you love who is at stake. I think if you present a commitment to a bunch of families and say, this is what we're going after. This is where we hope to be in three months. And this is what it takes. There's four commitments you need to make every week to growing in this holiness, in this faith walk, whatever. I think people would show up and they'd want, I think we all genuinely desire more of Jesus and more of our faith to grow. We just don't know how to do it together. And maybe we're not inspired enough, (laughs) but it does take someone to lead and say, this is what we're doing this way. Let's go. I think people would show up. And I think... I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. It's like I've thinking. been around the block so many times. I think when it has happened, but, it was Tom, because there was a holy priest. A holy priest, but also, listen, it's post-COVID. This is a new day. This is a new space. God is doing something new. So stop the negativity, man. In Jesus' holy <laughs> stop name. Stop the negative waves. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling your negative vibe, bro. <laughs> no, no, it's from... Uh, what's that... Uh, Kelly's Heroes, okay. the negative waves. What's with all the negative waves, Moriarty? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Sutherland, Donald oh. Sutherland. Yeah. All right, Carrie. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, uh, we are going to take a look at self-knowledge and self-discipline if we have a chance. I think that there's something neat to say there. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So, Carrie, you were mentioning this, uh, not the negative wave. So, yesterday on the program, I had Layla Miller on, and boy, that was a delightful interview. And I hope, folks, you enjoyed it. If you missed it, please go back to, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org and you can get access to it on a podcast version or Apple Podcasts, or it's posted on Facebook and YouTube, blah, blah, blah. What is oh, she the most, video version is on YouTube. What is she most known for, Tom? I think she's. If you're to say, like, where do people... Well, it's definitely on family issues, right? Family. And I think the thing that has had her sort of pop was this concept of primal loss, which was about... It was a book about testimonies of now adults talking about their experiences of growing up in a family that was touched by divorce and what that did to them and how that impacted them long term. And Which is hardly talked about, I would say. That's no, not a lot. No, talk- she was someone that I think brought it out into the open in a real, in a clearer way. I think that the general idea floating around was, oh, they're not happy and so they're fighting. And so it's going to be better for the kids if they end their marriage and go their ways because then they'll be happier. And that that's means the, the kids only will be happier. message you hear. That's really the only message that yeah. they said. And so she's like, no, there's the, the devastation to kids. There's the devastation to kids. So then she went the next step. And so the next step was that book on, um, on like uh, redeeming irredeemable marriages, rescuing irredeemable marriages and talks about standards those who have chosen to take a stand for their vow, even after divorce, where they refuse to, quote unquote, move on and find someone else and get happy. And how that's a heroic challenge that is underappreciated and often attacked. And then she's coming up with two other books that are on associated uh, aspects of this as well, but we won't get into all that. Anyways, the point is, after the interview... We ended up talking for about another hour, and it was it was at the end of that we were like, boy, we should have recorded that as well. So, and what was that? And just more what the church is going through right now. It or? was more. I think part of it was that she was really surprised at the richness of the dialogue that we had. So, to speak to your point about if you can get a rich dialogue that occurs, yes, that that has a, a real power to it. And she was really struck by it, 
And it was like, boy, there was so much that happened in that interview, things that you shared that I'd heard, I'd thought about, I myself believed, but it was it was, it was advanced and the co- our conversation was able to advance and confirm things. And, and that got us into other parts of our lives. See, if you can do that at a conference, that's, that's money. That's gold. It's just so exciting. The energy, the, the move of minds and hearts in a, a direction that a kind of, it's a new chapter being written right there live. And even when you engage with somebody and you can feel their excitement grow in their own, like, what about this? And what about that? And, and you take each other to the next level and you're seeing that it's just a beautiful display of, okay, here's a long time story. Go back. Okay. 19, <laughs> we're not going to get to that. Hold one. on. 1986. No, 19. Yeah. 1986. I got to have lunch with uh, my favorite Bible professor at the seminary. And there were two other people at lunch, Peter Kreeft and Thomas Howard. And they know each other extraordinarily well. And they're in this like St. Socrates society together. And we had this lunch and the two of them, Dr. Howard, Thomas Howard and Peter Kreeft went back and forth in the fastest, cleverest, funniest, insightful dialogue I had ever been part of. And it was just this like tennis match, bam, 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 bam. And it was, it was, oh, it was like, wow. Okay. So a couple years later, I was at St. Marie's and we were putting on a conference and we had Scott and Kimberly Hahn and Peter Kreeft and Thomas Howard. And so one of the talks we did... Were you, what, were your, what was your role? I was the director of evangelization. I was the one who organized the conference and put it all on. Oh, cool. And so... I know this about you because I'm married to you. Yeah, hello. <laughs> so... What were you doing those five years before we met? <laughs> I was organizing these conferences. So I had for one of my talks, Peter Kreeft and Thomas Howard just stand up with microphones. Oh. Go. That was the talk. Wait, and go was yeah. the word? Did, it was just have any questions? talk. And they just started talking. And then one talk, the other one jumped in, the other one jumped in, and then they just kept building off each other. And go. And it was just like, that was awesome. It Scott was. Hahn, he was sitting next to me, and he's just like, this is amazing. We, I, we have that talking cassette somewhere. Somewhere on a cassette. <laughs> if you can find cassette. a cassette player, yeah, you might be able to listen to so, it. So um, anyway, so that, there you go. I was prophetic and I didn't even know it. See, that is 1989. Let's go. I would like to watch that happen where there's this open dialogue. It has to, of course, be people that are really insightful. And if they can be funny, that helps. And really hot looking. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So, why did you bring that up? Uh, Why'd you bring that up? Why'd you bring that up? We're having a dialogue. (laughs) Oh, it was Layla Miller. And just that, oh, stay tuned because. I'm probably going to end up having her on again or doing some other... I, I said, hey, we should do this live. And she was like, uh, maybe not live. Because of the content? Well, it was the content was it was pretty out there. And it was... I mean, it was like it was real. And it was kind of... It was very exposing, right? Kind of like sharing in, in a way that was very personal about stuff. And it was like, well, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But the the idea was that there was so much to say that we could barely even scratch the surface of it in, a, in the hour-long radio program we did that we just wanted to do more. So You know, something that was really neat at the conference I was at is they had three women get up and share their testimonies real briefly, like 10 minutes each. Uh, one, one was Sister Miriam and then two other women who have been impacted by Walking With Purpose. And both of them shared. One shared about an abortion she had. The other one shared about uh, just a horrific marriage situation. And both of them shared about how... Um, their biggest cross, their biggest pain, like her, her having an abortion, our sister Miriam will tell you about her abuse, um, that that was where God met them and then that how he transformed it and redeemed it through them being able to share it to how, allow others to be set free. So something that you want to hide and in, in put in a closet and you're so ashamed of, you can't even imagine anyone ever knowing about it, that through God's healing and, and, the, and the touch of the Lord, you're able to see him redeem it. And then you have to tell people, this is what the Lord did for me. And he wants to do that for you. I thought that was one of the better parts of the conference is... So you didn't listen to my radio my, program on Tuesday. <laughs> I was just setting you up. That I was, was like, talking all about Easter. I was talking about what happens in Easter <laughs> and the experience of Easter and how Jesus goes through locked doors in John 20. And I talked about our story of miscarriages. Wait, which one? 
Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> we all have many stories, you guys. We have many stories. We have but, many areas that need to be redeemed. But, but the point of that story of John 20, Jesus going through the locked door, was it was the very wounds that Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit, and that became the source of a mission. And so it's oftentimes the tragedies and the sufferings and the brokennesses where not only does the Lord meet us, but he heals us and then he empowers us to then be witnesses of that suffering so that others might be redeemed. So that others can find hope in the midst of their pain, realizing that one day you think, God couldn't possibly redeem this, and I'm so ashamed, or I'm so desperate, or I'm so desolate. There's just no way I can take this story and share about it in public. And yet God has such a, an amazing, just the gift in the, the transformation he has for all of us. That is our hope. Yeah. And so just knowing, gosh, in, in whatever situation we're in right now, that God wants to redeem it to a place where we couldn't imagine. Well, and that was one of the principal things that showed up in the interview with uh, Layla Miller was that the cross is really at the center. It's the doorway and it's the center of our journey with Christ. We have to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. And don't we have more than one cross? Like every year, every <laughs> there's many crosses. Yeah, you I have just... crosses and then you have the cross and how it's... Um, it's it's, we're always going to be, like, I say that there are those three moments of our life of discipleship. It's the moment of creation or the moment of gift. There's the moment of desperation, and that's the moment of uh, passion and death. And then you have that moment of resurrection and empowerment or sanctification. And the Lord moves us kind of pendulum-wise, shifting us around where you come to know that you're a gift and there's that healing. You come to experience the suffering and the desperation and you're stripped clear. And then there's that moment of empowerment where you're going forth and you're being radiant light to the world. And your, your point is don't freeze. Let the Lord draw you into one or other of those moments. Wherever he would have you be, be docile, be meek, be ready to be led into any of those moments and plunged new, plunged deeper, plunged more fully. And don't just cling to one and don't just avoid the other. So there Good you go. Stuff. Yeah. I think that word meat came up in this book. And that, uh, yeah, self-knowledge and self-discipline. Carrie's favorite book. Carrie, you can't wait to get to heaven know. to meet Father Maturin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's my favorite book, but every time I read it, I go, why am I not reading this more? Do you never, do you ever do that? You go back and read a book and think, why did I not pick that up and read it more? Carrie, the Bible. I know theme, the Bible, but... No, no. My, the, my theme in life is don't read widely, read deeply. And so I have a handful of books that I'm never going to get to the bottom of. And when I get to the... If I get to the end of the book, I'm just going to go back and start over again because there's so much there that it it's, it's going to sink deeper into me as I sink deeper into the book. You know, that's... I don't know. That's a personality type too, though. And... I, I'm very grateful to God for the, the authors that he has brought into my life to fundamentally shape and mold me, like Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, and von Balthasar, and uh, Aquinas, and Bonaventure, and Augustine. You know, I just, I can't wait to meet them in heaven. And I know they pray for me on earth. And I, I love that. I love that sense of communing with them. Well, Carrie, we don't have time for even a quote. We're up against the end of our time together. But thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you all for being with me. Join me on Monday and then on Tuesday with Father John Ricardo for more Sound Insight.